This is part two of the postseason recap with head coach Andrew Checkets. We'll talk about the season. Last time we broke down the regional, Stanford Regional. This time we uh, break down the entire season. We also do some draft stuff, some incoming gauchos, and some gauchos in the pros. That's all next here on the Gaucho 9 Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our fantastic sponsors, Kyle's Kitchen. Can't thank you enough for your support. Kyle's Kitchen, great food, great people, and just a, a great message over at Kyle's Kitchen. Uh, they've got some changes coming up. Check out their website and social media to follow what they're doing over at Kyle's. Um, and you can also always support if you go to their website. You, you can donate to a great cause. Shout out to Kyle's Kitchen. We're also brought to you by Smart Office Interiors, commercial furniture for education, healthcare, government, and the home office. They have really re restructured all of the uh, the rooms and batting cages and the clubhouse at Caesar Wasaka Stadium. It is fantastic. We cannot thank them enough. If you need help with furniture, call 805-965-8585 or go to smartofficeinteriors.com. It's one of the most beautiful views of any campus in America. The Pacific Ocean crashing against the shores of UC Santa Barbara every morning, noon, and night. There's the one strike pitching. Mitchell belts this to deep left. Cabrera is going to watch it fly. And Curley pulls back a home run. And the Gauchos are going to win the game. Gauchos are going to Omaha. Can you believe it? Borgonio is back. He's going to turn and watch this one fly. A two-run homer for Clausen. And the score is due. Here comes Mitchell. He's going to score. Willits will make the catch. And the Gauchos are 2022 Big West champions. All right. This is part two of the postseason recap with head coach Andrew Chegetz here on the Gaucho 9 podcast. Last time, we reviewed the Stanford Regional and the Gaucho's performance in that regional and some of the extracurriculars surrounding it. And so now here on part two, we'll go through the season, all the great things that happened for the Gauchos this year, and then we'll touch on some of the Gauchos and the pros and the upcoming first-year player draft, which is in a couple weeks. So just to... Put it out there. 44 and 14, 30 games over 500, second conference championship in the last three seasons, three consecutive 40 win seasons, most conference wins, excluding the altered 2021 season with 27, uh, the best conference winning percentage in school history, and the 759 winning percentage was the second highest uh, overall in school history. So, there were a lot of great things that happened this year. Anytime you went over 40 games, of course, it's great. Um, but if you feel like at the beginning of the season when we were having discussions that, and, and it's been talked about, you, you talk about it with Jim Rome, and you probably said it on this podcast, but if we had – this team certainly exceeded expectations this year. Um, was that something that you can conclude on? Uh, sitting here now a few weeks removed from the season. Yeah, the guys did a great job. I mean, I, I have a tendency to be, you know, um, pessimistic when it comes to the team and, you know, how they're, how they're going to do and what that what the season's going to look like. So it's not rare for me to maybe under under predict or undervalue the, the team. 
Um, and but you know this group we, we didn't play great in the fall. Um, got a couple fall games and got roughed up a little bit and looked pretty like it was going to be made a lot of new faces and um, inexperienced guys that needed to play. You know guys that hadn't done it yet. Um, maybe some guys that were older but just hadn't had the success yet um, here. So we, you know, it, it looked a little bleak in the fall. I thought going into it, felt like weren't sure what we were going to do on the mound and had a lot of new faces there. So um, I, I thought the guys, they did, a, they did a good job. Um, and even with that being said, there were still, you know, we had about a three week period where we really played well that when we needed to, you know, that three week run through it was Irvine, Cal Poly and Long Beach. And I can't remember the exact order. I think Long Beach to Irvine to Cal Poly is not the, the order it was in. Okay. Anyways, yeah. We, anyways, we went eight. We went eight and one. Eight and two. That's yeah, right. two. Yeah, two of those were on the road at tough places to play. You know, at, at Cal Poly and at uh, Irvine. Um, I thought we really played well. I think offensively, um, the guys did an amazing job, especially against that Long Beach staff that I thought was really talented. Um, you know, we put put it together enough together on the mound, uh, and. and you know, I thought that was us playing to our capabilities at that point. And then after that, it was kind of up and down, you know, here, a little here, a little there. We, you know, the bats really carried us um, at times. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the assistant coaches did a great job. You know, Dylan, Donegal, and Spence, um, we really swung the bats well. I really exceeded my expectations there after the fall. When you were there, the fall was – it was pretty hit and miss. It looked like we might be in trouble here. I think we hit 2.30 in the fall or maybe even less than that. You know, when you looked at the fall stats, felt like we weren't facing frontline, you know, big West pitching because our guys weren't quite there yet. Um, they weren't facing Rodney Boone and McGreevy and and Dashwood or Brecht. They, they were facing kind of some unproven guys. You know, I mean, Corey yeah. was pitching, but – it was a lot of guys who were new first years or JC transfers. And it was kind of hard to get a, a grasp of it. And plus with, with Donegal coming in returning, maybe, you know, a little different approach at the plate. And, you know, we, we started with some guys that didn't wind up finishing the year with us that we thought were going to be pieces and you have to work through, all right, they're not here. Who's going to step up. Like there were some moments in that fall where it was, man, like it's hard to really, see if this team is going to win games but you know you're an experienced coach and you have an experienced staff and you dig in and you do the work and you teach the guys and they found a little swagger I mean I think this team had a little bit of swagger they had some continuity they had a good chemistry amongst them I think that was one of the big things that carried them was they really stuck together throughout the whole year hey. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's the older, the older guys, you know, maybe, maybe I misspoke earlier saying we didn't have experience. We had experience, just had guys that hadn't really done it. And you look at KJ and you look at Willow and you look at Curtly, you look at Bo, uh, Willits, um, you know, kind of those, those guys that, you know, they'd played, but you know, nobody had been an all conference performer. KJ hadn't been a full-time regular you know, during his career, you know, Kurt Lee, you know, hadn't produced like we had hoped yet. Um, 
and so you're you're looking at that and you're going man a lot of these things these guys got to hit like a lot of these guys gotta gotta get better and um and but what they did have you know is they knew how to take a college at bat and they that experience i think helped them in the box and donegal did a nice job with them giving them some some confidence and um and working with them and so as a group you know felt like you know we didn't have Cummings and Castanon carrying the group um but we had some guys that you know up and down the lineup that we could score we could score some points and um you know we're the school record for home runs you know that's says a lot because we've hit a lot of homers the last two years and you know I know the ball may be juiced this year but you know it's not like anybody's swinging minus fives like they were years ago so um so and yeah, that was. I think the guys really, really did a nice job, and those those guys did. Those older guys, you know, I think you really you can overlook that, you know. And as a coach, you can start to think that it's you, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but you know, I think the reality of it is the players have to play, and um, the players have to perform, and they're the ones in the arena that have to go out and execute and. Um, and they did. And, you know, I think they were, it was unique, you know, all of a sudden it's happened with COVID and the draft and, you know, some of those guys getting halfway through the year, looking at this, like, man, I, this might be it. Like I, you know, I'm not having a you're Jason Willow. I'm not having a good enough year to get drafted or you're Brock Mortensen. And you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I'm having the kind of year to get drafted. Um, based on, you know, where, where you're at from an age standpoint, how all the things have changed in the draft, but those guys, you know, they, they played for the Gauchos, you know, that was really cool to see that would be easy for those guys to kind of fold up a little bit, get selfish and start worrying about themselves. They didn't, they were, they, they played for, for the Gauchos and that was really fun to see. I think an indication of that is the record overall in the weekend series. Didn't lose a series all season long, 14-0-1. And, you know, in, in my experience with you and with your staff and, and the way that you coach the players is that you're approaching every week, you want to go into that weekend and win the weekend. You, if you lose on Friday, like you want to bounce back and win those two games on the weekend. And stressing the importance of winning series as far as, you know, your RPI points and, and accumulating wins and the conference standings. All that stuff, of course, it's important to win series. And when you go 14-0-1, like, I think that's an indication of the the experience that they've had in their past, the, the, the veterans that you mentioned, where they can they can bounce back after a loss or, or if, if a guy is throwing well and grinding through at-bats, stuff like that. And taking it back to the non-conference start of the season, you win your first two weekends against USF and Nevada. You go to Oregon and split with the Ducks, but you lost those first two games. Was there, was there a moment in those first, those first four weeks where you felt like this team could be what they wound up being, or was it kind of just going week to week and still not really sure what you're going to get? Because when you go back, like there was a lot of consistency, at least on the pitching side. There was a lot of consistency throughout the year, and there were hitters that were consistent throughout the year, but I – look back to the Oregon series because you dropped those first two games and it felt like, oh boy, like, is this going to be the indication? But you win 
the last two to split the series. Was there something early in the season, maybe that Oregon series, where you felt a little bit of an indication on where these guys could go? Yeah, that that was the series right there. That because we, I think we won two out of three against USF and, and Nevada at that point. We didn't play great. Um, and we got off to a little bit of a slow start offensively. The, the pitchers threw ball the ball well early and um besides a couple bullpen issues but um you know then you're down you know oh and two and you know you're on the you're on the road and oregon's got really good athletes i mean that was a, probably i thought the best offensive team that we saw all year maybe the stanford i think stanford maybe had some athletes with higher ceilings in terms of professional prospects but in terms of being able to really take an at bat and make your work and um, and tough outs, you know, I really felt like Oregon was probably the best team that we saw from that standpoint. And it would have been easy after you losing those two close ones and Harvey giving up the homer to, um, yeah, blowing a lead. Walk off. Yeah. To the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been really easy to just roll over and, um, go, well, it looks like it's not going to be our year. They swept us at home the year before. So, um, that, that I thought was a pivotal, point in the year for the guys to be able to come back and grind through two two wins and split that on the road um i think that created some belief for them you know that was um i tried to temper it a little bit afterwards they were you know everybody i wouldn't say all the fans were acting like we just won the series or you know because we won those last two games and um you know tried to say hey you know we played well but the goal is to win three out of four i think need to make sure that we keep our feet on the ground here and understand, but that was a really good bounce back. And um, I think that some of that's just maturity. You know, we had a mature group that didn't panic, didn't freak out, especially the position players, you know, that older mature group. And they were, they were able to handle that. And they were, they were close games. They were back and forth. The guys had come behind from behind a couple times and they had to hang on to some leads. They had to punch back when leads were, taken away from them and uh, yeah it was a it was an indication to me looking at it from above of like okay like these guys can hang they're they're competitive and Gutierrez and, and Gallagher I think that was kind of the first time where I realized like okay these guys these guys can pitch in big spots and you know face a tough lineup and get through it more than more than twice uh, and and guide the team to a win and, and come back in the series to tie it. And then moving into conference season, you have the, the tough one on opening weekend against Fullerton where they, they come from behind late and then also the come from behind loss to, to Hawaii. Now, it turns out that those two losses were uh, two-thirds of the losses in the conference season, but it kind of didn't feel like that at the beginning. Like You felt like you might really need those those wins down the stretch, but like moving into conference season, were you guys confident as a staff with the group, you know, putting together lineups, confident that you could make a push for a conference championship at the beginning of the conference season? Um, I would say I, my guess would be that Donegal and Dylan were confident and I was not. So just, I don't, I don't remember how that went, but that would be, um, our, our personalities so i i was i joke with those guys to not not smear their toxic person their toxic positivity around me too much 
Um, because <laughs> I you think keep they keep in check in that regard, and, and sometimes you keep me in check. Sometimes, yeah, vice versa. Vice versa, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's it's a give and take. But, yeah, I think I think that's good. So, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think we. I thought it was going to be a battle. You know, I thought Irvine and Long Beach and Cal Poly were going to be really good. Um, I did too. I was yeah. looking at a, a, a grind. Like everyone's going to beat up on each other, and it's going to come down to the last weekend. Was what I was looking at the first couple of weeks of the conference season. That's what. Yes, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. And I thought, you know, Cal Poly had the player and pitcher of the year on their team, and you know, we knew they were good. And Irvine had a lot of guys back off that championship team, and you know, Long Beach on paper might have had the best team um, on paper going into the season, and already had um, some good wins, like really good wins. What it appeared to be, really yeah, good. yeah, yeah. So. Um, they fell apart a little bit in the middle of it, but, um, yeah, our guys were just pretty consistent and steady. You know, you saw that we weren't beating people 20 to two and we weren't beating people two to one. It was, you know, seven to five, eight to four, <laughs> you know, nine to three, you know, just kind of steady, go get our six or seven runs and, um, give up our four and, and win. Some of the accolades. You mentioned the 78 home runs, new program record. It broke 1986's record. They hit 73. Uh, the 20 saves also set a new program record. And you had uh, 544 strikeouts as a team. I know I mean, it's probably not your favorite stat, but it is second all-time after last season, which set the record. And, of course, uh, Brock Mortensen led the Big West outright in home runs with 16 uh, both of his years as a gaucho. He did it last year, and he did it again this year. So I'm, I want to look at the saves because bullpen, everyone in the media and when you're talking amongst yourselves as a staff during the week, always talking about the bullpen. And you wind up with 20 saves. I don't know if that's an indication of of something that I'm not seeing, but – you had multiple guys get saves. Of course, Harvey had 11. You know, Ager emerged in the middle of the season. He wound up with five. And I think Huddleston had one. And and Gallegos had one. And Schreier had one. But there were guys out there that were able to close out games. And for a lot of the year, I mean, and the re- big reason why you won 44 games, you have a good bullpen. And I thought some, some guys emerged that, you know, like Al, uh, Ager and Rice and, and Harvey – having great years the bullpen was a strength of this team would you not agree <laughs> yeah it was hard to know if we just we got all those saves because we almost blew, blew so many leads and then somebody came in and finally put the fire out and got a save um, that's how it felt that's to the, me that's the that's the it's <laughs> talking that it's a uh, save isn't it it's a I don't know what kind of stat it is, but it's it's not always an. I'm not trying to take any credit away from the guys that got them, and that yeah. last three outs. But sometimes it's not an indication. We can we can admit that. But yeah. Still, that's, yeah. That's 20 wins, that are were close games right there. Yeah, being able to get the final out, they, we figured out a way, even though it might not be pretty all the time, but figured out a way to get that final out and um, pass the baton and try and find the hot hand. And you know there was a lot of trying to manage through that 
get guys in and out if they didn't have it. But, you know, we had, we had pretty good streaks where, you know, Rice and Ager were stopping for us and, you know, we're tandeming between the two of those guys, especially early Rice on Friday. Harvey saved five games in a row. That was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, So we, yeah, we had, you know, we had some real good moments. There were some moments where we fell apart and, you know, some guys that I thought didn't, pitch with the level of confidence that they should have based on their stuff and how good they are. Um, but I think some of that was some of the youth. I mean, and, you know, it felt, yeah, Rice is first time playing division one baseball and Ager is first time playing division one baseball and Schreier coming back off Tommy John and, um, you know, just kind of a younger, younger inexperienced group back there. And, so sometimes they looked it. Sometimes they looked tentative and passive, and like it was new. And then sometimes they looked like they're dominant. And um, their stuff's all clearly good enough. They throw it hard enough, and off-speed stuff's good enough. Um, so I'm excited about that group next year. You know, making another jump. I think. Um, and I think they've got a lot. I think they've got a lot more room to grow. So that was my message to him at the end of the year. We had. A, you know, a quick meeting, kind of end of the year meeting with the pitchers. And I, I think I may have surprised them a little bit. You know, we just won 44 games, and I think they thought, hey, we're going to celebrate this. Yeah, I came in hot a little bit. It's just that we we aren't we aren't where we should be. And the we're going to need to – the next six months, or we're going to need to be better and work harder and work smarter. And I think if they didn't have the, the capabilities – to do that then i wouldn't have said it but i think you know there's there's they have higher ceilings and want them to all meet their meet their expectations and their own expectations and our expectations and feel like there's a lot of a lot of room for growth out of that group and if they all make those jumps i think it's got a chance to be really fun next year i agree and we'll talk a little bit more about this at the tail end but you mentioned the gauntlet in the middle of the conference season it was uh, Long Beach, Cal Poly, Irvine. Six of those games on the road. You go eight and one. You sweep Cal Poly. You erase the demons from San Luis Obispo. And, and you, you kept it rolling into the next weekend. It didn't feel like the Gauchos let off the gas pedal. And then you, you sealed the deal against Riverside. We, we've, we've discussed that uh, a lot and how special that weekend was. And getting the second conference championship and having parents on the field and, and the families and, and all that stuff. I'm I'm kind of racing a little bit here, but you know, when you go 27 and three in conference, you really left no doubt that the Gauchos were the best team in the conference this year, and and really and fought off Cal Poly at the end of the year because they went on a crazy win streak, won 13 games in a row, and if Gauchos go one and two or two and one in in San Luis Obispo, maybe it's a different story down the stretch, but. 27 and three to finish off the season. Um, I also have another note here. Since 2020, Gauchos are the fifth winningest team in all of Division One, 98 and 36. 7.31 winning percentage. That's uh, fifth behind Tennessee, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and Texas. So, Gauchos are up there with, uh, well, three. College World Series teams and then Tennessee who uh, didn't make it. Those guys, those guys aren't in the Porter Potty League. No, they're not. So. <laughs> they're not in the Porter Potty League. 
<laughs> not on the board of Ivy League. <laughs> um, uh, accolades. At the end of the year, of course, there's always the accolades, the All-Americans, the All-Conference performance. Um, want to mention Nick Vogt, All-Regional team. He hit uh, 308, a couple homers, four RBIs. He made that web jam in left center. He was the only Gaucho named to the All-Regional team from the Stanford Regional. Uh, Matt Ager, Ryan Gallagher, Collegiate Baseball Freshman All-Americans. And the Gauchos had 14 All-Conference members which broke the record that the Gauchos set in 2019. They had four first-teamers, Willits, Kirtley, Clausen, and Lewis. They had seven second-teamers, Sprinkle, Mortensen, Vote, Gallagher, Gutierrez, Ager, and Harvey. Sorry, that's eight. And then they had three honorable mentions, Willow, Johnson, and Newman. And then uh, Jason Willow finished his career, 210 games played. That's eighth all-time and I think that's a remarkable accomplishment, um, especially this day and age of college baseball, where if you're good and you're playing year one, you're probably you're probably only going three years. At least, at least it had, with the forty round draft, that was the case. Maybe it'll be different moving forward with twenty rounds now. But two hundred ten games, uh, that's awfully impressive. And uh, Jason had a great career as a gaucho. Uh, Christian Kirtley finished the season on an on base streak. Uh, on break streak of consecutive games 45 consecutive games on base which we think is a school record it wasn't really kept until this year so we're just making Curly um, the number one guy and that's that's <laughs> going to roll through if he's uh, playing again next year and Bryce Willett second with 39 um, 39 games consecutively on base and then at the end of the year, the Gauchos as a team led the Big West in scoring, home runs, slugging percentage, stolen bases, wins, and saves. And they were in the top three in ERA. So we're also talking to the Big West Coach of the Year. I do want to congratulate you on that. Thanks. I nominated Donegal, but they voted for me. <laughs> can, can assistants win Coach of the Year? Is that... Uh, they don't. Yeah, I think it should be staff of the year award is what it should be. But yeah. So congratulations, Kevin. Thank you. I was part of the staff. Yeah. Yep. Myself a pat on the bat. Is that your first time winning it? Uh, it's it's a when you win the conference, it's kind of a so second foregone conclusion. Yeah. Second time. Okay. Yeah. I just want to you know got to make sure that the facts are straight. Yep. Make sure the facts are straight. Um, well, let's, let's talk about the, the, the players that are, are moving on just a little bit. Um, if there's anything you want to say to them, um, on this platform, but, uh, the guys that are graduating, of course, Willits, oh man, uh, Trevor Beer, Jason Willow, Kyle Johnson, Mason Ang, Johnny Bloom, Brock Mortensen. Did I get them all? Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Senior day was pretty, not many dry eyes <laughs> rolling around on senior day. So, um, and that's for good, re with good reason too. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were a special group and think about all the, all that they have done and, you know, the wins, the losses, the leadership, the had to about, you know, get through COVID. They, you know, those guys did, a, they did a lot. They left the program better than they found it. Um, you know, I know we've got a, a young group that's really excited to have that baton passed to them. 
we did two leadership groups this year. We did an older group and then a freshman one because we felt like there was a, such a gap in age and experience between our older guys and the young guys. Wanted to make sure that that transition to next year was was uh, was clean. And, um, but really special group, um, special kids. You know, not just good baseball players, but you know, and they're all half those guys already have real jobs and the the real world because they're super successful with what they do and their their personalities and you know willingness to to work and put the time in translates to more than just the baseball field so we're we're gonna miss them and um we're we're you know excited about what what's next for all those guys whether it's pro ball or we're, we're going out and going in the real real world we, so you already mentioned you're, you're excited for what the staff's going to bring, the pitching staff, next year moving forward and their, their evolution. And we just talked about the seniors. So let's go to the, the draft a little bit. Um, it feels like a natural course of conversation. It's coming up in a couple weeks. Um, any gauchos that are currently – or current gauchos or graduating gauchos or incomers that we might see – names called have you you have any dirt or do you think you're anticipating anything on uh, on guys getting picked yeah i mean i think i think we'll you know sprinkle um probably goes unless something happens in terms of you know his price in the draft um Wait, you know, Corey nick, lewis. Nick, we haven't even mentioned Corey lewis's name too so yeah nick vote um cory lewis um those guys are probably three of the the higher draft picks there i think there's you know you're you're hoping that bryce willits gets a job and gets an opportunity to go out or brock mortensen gets a chance um to to go out there um you know ryan harvey would have a chance to have his his name called i think he i don't want to speak for him on this podcast so scouts if you're listening i'm not speaking for him you need to ask him but i think he may price himself out um a little bit and probably end up getting him back um yeah and then some of the incoming guys we have four guys coming in that we're hoping we get a chance to coach so austin charles and tyler bremner and uh frank camarillo and and uh, jonah sebring we feel like those three guys are all guys that could possibly uh, get drafted be in some kind of range to get the number that they're they're hoping for um so we're hoping that they 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 decide to come here play college ball first and elevate their draft status and be able to work towards getting their degree and have a college experience and so those are all the things that we're talking about if they are going to sign that it needs to be life-changing money for them and um, nowadays with inflation and gas prices that's a lot of money so um, we're hoping we get a chance to to, to get those guys on campus what about uh, what about Kurtley? Or, yeah, or, I forgot. I forgot. Lawson. Oh, guys. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my fault. Yeah, um, that's why. That's why you took notes. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I think Kurtley has an outside shot of hearing his name called. You know, late in day two. Clawson, um, I think, has a chance to go. I, he's a weird one. You know, I mean, I think the bat says you know top ten rounds. Um, the fact that he you know doesn't didn't play a position a lot. Um, I think could maybe maybe hurt him a little bit. I hope not. I think he's got the capabilities of going out and playing left field, um, you know, professional baseball and hitting and, and being a real real threat. So I think somebody's gonna 
you know, take a shot at him in the top 10 rounds based on, you know, how good he is offensively. So, um, but yeah, those, those are the guys that, that uh, will likely get chances. The, the four incomers that you mentioned, are they all pitchers? Or is there a position player in there? Uh, three, three pitchers, oh, sorry, two pitchers, one, uh, two position players. So Bremner and Camarillo are both arms and um, Charles is a shortstop. Uh, he pitches as well. We think he'll come in here and be a position player, uh, primarily a position player that, you know, we would, wouldn't give up on the arm or he could contribute that way, but we're looking at him as being a, you know, shortstop uh, when he comes in and then Jonas Sebring's a, a utility shortstop, second baseman, center fielder, kind of a Jason Willow type player. Pretty fun, fun offensive potential out of him. Could you give us a way too early opening day starting lineup for next year? Oh wow, yeah. Um, Just considering some of the some of the guys who got significant playing time in their first years this year, you got to be excited as a fan and as a parent and, and a, a an alum of the program. You got to be excited about what the scouts team can bring to the table next year. Because I mean, I, I really liked what I started at Darby. I mean, Nick Oakley. Has, was great. I mean, we talked about the young pitchers who are coming back, the Agers, the Gallagher's, the Gutierrez's, who are, who are all coming back. Um, you know, who do you see potentially as a weekend rotation and, and starting lineup the, the way too early? Maybe John Newman behind the plate. Like, there's there's some, some good yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think you named those guys. And, um, you know, we like that. We like those young guys. We think they're they, – no offense to the older guys that we talked about, but we think the ceiling's a lot higher on those guys. You know, they're just in terms of their professional prospects down the line. You know, Xander Darby looks you know, big league body and is physical and hits left-handed runs. So you can envision Xander being in there and Oak being in there and Newman being in there. And, you know, um, Aaron Parker, you know, think him and Newman can you know, split some of those catching duties. Um, next year you've got, um, who am, I, who am I missing, Kevin? Help Jesse, me out. Yeah, Jesse Brown. Yeah, Jesse Brown, Latre. Yeah. Yeah. Trimble, Williams. Um, so, and, you know, and Trimble, Williams, people, guys that people didn't see, but big physical left-handed hitters that maybe were a little raw and young. We're hoping they'll, you know, develop during the summer. They developed towards the end of the year, but hoping that those at-bats this summer will really help them. Um, but you know, really, you know, a physical group. Latre's got really advanced bat to ball skills for a young dude with some physicality. We think he's got a chance to be a, you know, a, a real player. You know, we mentioned you know Jesse's exciting, he's explosive, and can run and has power. Um, you know, Aaron Parker just needs to touch the ball and it, it hits the wall. So he's did it Irvine touched it out to center field. Irvine. Yeah, so so those, those guys are exciting. You know, summer is going to be really important for them. We need them to go out and play and get at bats and start creating that library in their brain of what pitches look like. And um, but I think that that group has a chance to do some exciting things over the next uh, next couple of years. You know, combined with some of the incoming guys, we got a couple of JC guys coming in that we think you know as I mentioned Sebring and a kid named Sunstrom is physical. You know, coming in should be able to make an impact along with we we like the young recruiting class i think this this class that we brought in um you know and it was you know, coach fontino was heavily involved in that he needs to get some credit for his work there dylan and um 
you know, Ferg obviously, but you know, I, you know, Matt really led that up during the pandemic and he worked his rear end off. I think it would have, it was easy. And you saw this where it was easy with, during the pandemic. It's like, Hey, we can't go out and recruit and, you know, use to use that as an excuse for why you wouldn't be great. Um, and Matt just wouldn't have any of that. I mean, he was out mining it and watching guys really on good. Yeah. watching video and yeah. setting, setting zooms up like crazy for me. And, you know, he was the one that was pushing us. Um, and you know, he, he did a great, he did a great job and he deserves, deserves credit, um, for that, you know, he found Tyler Remner and he pulled the trigger on Austin Charles and, um, you know, we've got a, we, we've got a lot of guys in that group that a lot of people participated in recruiting. And I, you know, if we if we got the entire group, which you know I don't think is very realistic, I think we probably lose a guy or two to the draft. Um, but if we did get the entire group, I mean, that's a top ten, top fifteen recruiting class in the country, which you know potentially maybe the best one we've brought in since that sixteen class that had Lincoln and Dash and Brecht and. Uh, all those guys that end up winning the 19 conference championship. So we're excited about those young guys coming in. We'll see, you know, a lot of times they show up a little different than you thought, sometimes a little better, sometimes a little worse. Um, so we'll see what they look like when they get on campus. But, um, you know, there, there's some, and I didn't mention a lot of the guys, we've got a lot more guys than that, but there's some really exciting players coming in that'll create some competition and, um, you know, put some pressure on those returning freshmen and sophomores to make sure that they're continuing to work. And, um, so it's, uh, I think it's a chance to, you got a chance to see some real long-term professional prospects, um, on the field over the next two years. Um, they got to go perform, but the upside's pretty exciting. Well, decent segue professional prospects. And there's a number of professional gauchos playing right now this summer that are having great seasons and are being promoted. We've seen a lot of promotions um, this year. Let's, I want to start at the top first. I mean, Shane coming back from his injury, Shane Bieber, of course, coming back from his injury last year, maybe kind of a slow start this year, but has really picked it up and is starting to look like the Shane Bieber that we know. Uh, he's three and three, but I don't really like it wins and losses that much anymore because I've been sitting with Spencer and talking to Tilly and and Tony and Evan. I look at the uh, the 13 starts. Nine of them are quality starts. Uh, 3.00 ERA. His, his strikeout totals are starting to come up. He's still not walking very many guys. So Biebs has been excellent pitching for the Guardians. And Dylan Tate and Kyle Nelson, they have been outstanding. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to communicate with them at all, but both of them sub-two ERAs. In over 20 appearances each, uh, I think Nelly's got a win, Tate's got a save, but they're right there in the, you know, first, second, third guy out of the pen for uh, Nelly with the Diamondbacks and, and Tate with the Orioles. And uh, Bieber and Tate, they played against each other and, and took a picture. We'll post that at some point. But um, have you had a chance to communicate with those guys at all on their seasons? This yeah, year? some yeah, some texts here there. I've obviously been following them. I, I try not to bug those guys. I know they got a million people texting them and reaching out to them and they got lives and all kinds of stuff going on. I hope they, I hope they know that if we're following them and cheering for them and rooting for them and, um, and tracking them, I just, I don't, I don't send them a text every time they pitch or get a, get a win. I know they've got, they've got quite a few of those. I think 
I would tend to see a Tex Beaver after he has kind of a grinder win, you know, when he goes out there and gives up some hits and makes some clutch pitches and works through it and gets a win. I think those are the, yeah, obviously the ones where he, the ones where he, he, yeah, yeah, the ones where he dominates, you know, it's, I'm sure he's getting a million texts, but I I really appreciate those B, B game, C game, find a way to, the the analytics people, yeah, the analytics people, I think undervalue that the, the W in those moments you know the guys that have that ability to get through that six and and give up three instead of six and find a way to get a win mm-hmm. um I, I i think i i enjoy watching those so seeing shane when he has those types of games i think are really um those those are the ones i'm more likely to send him a text on um 100 um or do you text, so, and then, text uh, go ahead go ahead then yeah, Nelly and Tate. I'll I'll check in with everyone once in a while, see how they're doing. They they throw so often, you know, like right. two or three times, two or three times a week, and so um, we're proud of them. Yeah, we're really proud of those guys. I mean, those guys were that fifteen, sixteen pitching staff, some of the best that we've had. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned it earlier. The players got to play, and coaches maybe get a lot of credit for that stuff. But those guys were those guys were animals for us. And, um, it's fun, fun to see them. It's not, it's not surprising that they're pitching in the big leagues and having success based on how they handle themselves here. Do you text McGreevy after every one of his starts? No, no, <laughs> not no. He and Dylan, I think, text, text more. So I, I'll get him. I'll get him every once in a while. So yeah, yeah, I get him. I get him every. I think I, t- I think I texted him, maybe him and Booney after they got moved up or something like that. So, yeah. So we'll we'll start recently because uh, McGreevy and, and and Rod they were law on last year's team, but they go up go both got promoted from um, Boone from low A to high A and McGreevy from high A to double A. Uh, Rodney with the Guardians, McGreevy with the Cardinals. Uh, let's see, McGreevy McGreevy also graduated. So, congratulations to McGreevy, graduate of UC Santa Barbara uh, in. This season, McGreevy five and three, between single and double A, three point three nine ERA in thirteen starts. Uh, and he was he was really excellent in high A. And I think he got his first start in double A was not his best, but he has bounced back since. And then Rod, three and one, two point five one ERA in twelve starts, um, between low A and high A. And I mean, it's it's great to see guys get get promoted, um, but that's that's a lot of pitchers. Uh, Joe Record also uh, up to AAA in with the Astros for the uh, uh, he's pitching in Sugarland, but he's two and one, three point six seven ERA, twenty games. He's got four saves in the year for uh, for Joe Record. He was also a, a fifteen sixteen uh, guy, and then uh, Armani Armani Smith up to AA with the uh, he's in the Giants organization playing in Richmond Flying Squirrels. He's hitting two eighty six in twenty games uh, so far in AA. Um, he won a high A West championship last year in Eugene. And then uh, a Castanon, <laughs> Marcos, he got a knock off of Kershaw. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Uh, Kershaw pitched in a rehab start in single A, and Marcos got a knock off of uh, Kershaw, which is pretty cool. And uh, Marcos That is cool. Hitting in the high 200s, he's got six homers um, this year playing with uh, Cole Cummings down in Lake Elsinore. So that's a bit of your uh, your chosen the pros. 
so far this year. But there's a number of guys pitching. I know Dashwood's been up in AAA. Uh, Breck's pitching in high A. Uh, there's there's a lot of guys that have come out of the Scoutcher program that are still playing professional baseball. Noah Davis, uh, I don't know if you've listeners follow him on in, on instagram or social media or if you do but he posts a lot of cool stuff about his his grips and, and the movement on his pitches um his stuff is nasty and i think he was up to like 98 in one of his starts recently um he's with the uh the rockies currently he's either yep. double a or high a um but i believe it's uh, double yeah it was, yeah it was on the 40 man i think going into the season so and no no super analytical so it's cool that he's sharing all that stuff with with everybody yeah he's got a great head of lettuce right now as well um tommy jew eric yang uh tevin mitchell i'm, I'm gonna miss there's so many of them i miss a few names dalton kelly triple a with yep. the A's, playing in vegas right now hoping he gets a crack at it uh i mean the a's have had a, a tough season and you gotta think that that dalton might get a shot this year and yeah he hit 27 home runs last year uh yeah I've, i'm surprised he hasn't been called up especially with some of his versatility his ability to run his ability yeah. to play the outfield his ability to play a plus defense um keep waiting for that that day that he's gonna he's gonna get that call sounds like you know records got a chance to get there yeah, andrew vasquez is i don't know if you right. mentioned him he's been yeah. up and up and down but up with the blue jays and um so yeah, we're hoping to see a few more guys make their op- their 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 debuts here this year. Hopefully, Dalton or or Joe or maybe I don't know, Dash is and and uh, Noah. Maybe their ERAs aren't there, but I think that you know based on their years they had last year, they had really good years. Maybe just off a little slower start this year, but they'll get they'll get going. I mean, Dashwood's pitching in Salt Lake City. Yeah, it's they, tough. You know, they're, it's they're tough both one. pitching in tough uh, pitcher leagues. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was I was talking with Dash when he was here, saying, "Hey, there's got to be some way you can skip Salt Lake City, right? <laughs> go straight right from, around that." Yeah, straight from Mobile to the to the big leagues. Like that's the path. Yeah, just skip Salt Lake. <laughs> um, also a couple guys in indie ball. Um, Clayton O'Connor, he's still playing. He's in Missoula. Uh, Clay Fisher, he's playing in Toronto, or no, not Toronto, um, Ottawa. And then uh, Connor Dan, he's starting out in um, – I forget what the league is called. I should should have done that research. I'll get my assistant on it. But Megan <laughs> starts. He's, he's pitching at a league. Um, he's in New Jersey. So, And those guys those guys were all working out during the fall and, and in the wintertime um, at the ballpark. So it's you – know, McLean's hit a couple homers. Connor, he struck out like 11 guys in the start. So they're having success too. So – Lots of gauchos out there playing professional baseball. I know that's got to make you feel good. You've probably expressed that already, but I'm just going to reemphasize. It it, yeah, it does. We're, che- we're cheering for them all, you know, and we're che- cheering for the engineers out there too. I'm proud of our guys. Yeah, Mason Ng, he, he's going to build something, something, and it's going to be spectacular. He is. Trevor, Tre- Trevor Beers in grad school. And yeah. UCLA and – Kyle Johnson's got something lined up already. He's those guys are those guys are going to be successful. They're smart kids, and if, if you heard, I think John, Johnny, I think Johnny Blue wants to start coaching. And, oh yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool. So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't stop here. There's all there's more there's more ways. We know this. 
not just in professional baseball, but there's more there's more ways to to utilize your talents and the stuff that you learn as a gaucho. And so that's what those guys are about to embark upon or are already succeeding in. Um, that's going to put a bow on it. It's a great season. Had a lot of fun. Uh, rewarding, again, I mean, anytime you get to take the field after a conference championship, and it's cool that both of them have been at home, did against Polly at home in 19 and against Riverside at home this year. And, you know, it's it's special. And it's just a great week. Great Yes, great week, of course. Uh, a great year. So um, thank you for being our fearless leader, Chex. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being our fearless leader. And for and for spending all this time on the podcast, I don't, I don't know how many college baseball podcasts there are, but if I can sit down with the head coach for an hour, I don't know how often that happens. I think recruiting Tony, dead La- Tony LaRusso. Re- recruiting dead Perry today. It's <laughs> <laughs> Tony LaRusso and uh, – you know, who are the other managers in the big leagues? I don't know. Dusty Baker, are they spending an hour on a podcast? Probably not. Probably not. They get plenty of media time though. So they I'm sure they I'm sure up. sure they've got yeah, they've got the microphone in their face. So thanks for all your work with this. Th- thanks for all your work for this. I know that people that follow the program closely and enjoy the depth of your research and the questions you ask and the, the information that they're able to to get from it. And um so I appreciate I appreciate it. And, this was something that spawned from COVID and has it been, was. I think, really cool. Yeah, I think really cool. So appreciate all your work on it. I appreciate that, Chex. And outside of the uh, – after the season ended, and I had met a bunch of parents, you know, throughout the year, and they, they share their their stories of how they listen to me here or listen to me there or the, the podcast or whatnot. And, like, I don't – it's it's like a – I meet a couple one weekend and I meet a couple the next weekend. I don't you know, meet them all at once, and but I've met like a ton of them that I hadn't, you know, parents that I had been watching their sons for multiple years that I hadn't met yet and finally got to see me outside after the Stanford game. And it's when they tell me that they're waiting for the podcast so that they can go on a walk with the dog on Tuesday mornings like that's just that's pretty cool and it yeah it all yeah it all started in some staff meeting after the season ended in 2020 where it was we needed to get some more content out there we're I think we're ready for a podcast and then you put it in my hands and we've ran with it and it's been good this might be episode 80 I think this is episode 80 so yeah, you've, been, you've done you've done a great job we've had some cool guests so, so. and we're planning to have we're, there will be some more too but there's gonna be some more yeah so I listen. I listen to all of them, but I, I, the ones I talk on, I won't listen to this one. So <laughs> you won't listen to I this do. one. Well, you already experienced it. It's experienced it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, um, yeah, it's been fun. Good year. Another good year. Absolutely. I wish it could have ended in Omaha. You know, we can go through that whole tale, but it was really it was another special year. So, uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you at the ballpark. We'll see you this summer. Uh, if, if your if your son is out there playing in summer ball, uh, we hope that they do well and come back, you know, twenty pounds heavier and throw it <laughs> five miles per hour faster. Yeah, you know, that whole deal. Touch the ball more when they hit. Yeah, all those things. Yeah, so. throw, more, throw more strikes and, and yeah. uh, you know maybe mature a little bit and come back come back men. Oh, we we yeah. sent we sent 
all everybody going out is is a man is a mature. You know, yeah, I think we've right? got good, good, good kids. But I, I think it's, I think it's good for them to go ride a bus somewhere and stay in a hotel and get a little bit of minor league treatment for the summer. I think it gives them some perspective. And I know most of them. I would guess probably all of them come back and kiss the ground when they get back to Santa Barbara and grateful for their, to be back here after right riding a bus in the Midwest for the summer somewhere. No offense to those places, but that somewhere maybe not as glorious as Santa Barbara. It's a good place. I mean, UC Santa Barbara is once again it's it's cemented their place on the map in college baseball, and uh, are going to go at it again next year. So that's going to wrap up 2022 Big West Conference champs. And uh, yeah, so thanks, Jax. We we're we're gonna cut it there. Thank you, and uh, enjoy your summer. Thanks, Kev. All right. Thank you to Coach Checkets and thank you to Kyle's Kitchen and Smart Office Interiors. And yes, I cannot believe that we just finished up episode 80 of the Gaucho 9 podcast going all the way back to May of 2020. So it's been two plus years now. Um, really appreciate everybody's contributions, all of the supports and all of the gratitude that they have sent towards uh, myself and the stuff that we do here on the podcast uh, and the Gauchos throughout the season. It was a great season. 2022 conference champs, 44 wins, lots of uh, heroic performances um, and lots of great careers that, that came to an end and lots of great careers that started and are evolving in front of our very eyes. So we look forward to summer ball. We look forward to more interviews during the summer. And uh, we look forward to what's in store for the Gauchos in 2023. So that puts a bow on it. My name is Kevin Cannon. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on the beach.